the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. If listeners would like a second opinion on their portfolios, if you'd like Josh to check it over, see how you're doing, take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Here's what happens. Just schedule a 15-minute call with Josh, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. There is one per household, and this is really the most effective for portfolios of $250,000 and up. We're going to go back to the basics to start off the show. Josh, let's talk about the difference between a pension plan and a 401k. Sure. A pension plan is a defined benefit plan, meaning that it's very clearly defined what you're going to receive at different time periods in your working career. For example, a defined benefit or pension plan might say when you turn 65, you will get 50% of your highest three years worth of earnings or something to that capacity. Whereas a 401k is a defined contribution plan, meaning you get to define, believe it or not, it has nothing to do with your company. You define how much money you put into it. The only thing your company defines is whether or not they're going to match any of those contributions and then how much money you have in retirement and how much you're able to turn that into uh, an income stream. That's completely on you. So you get to define how much you put in. They get to define how much they match. You have to then take control of your own destiny, uh, I guess you could say, and, and figure out on your own how you're going to turn that into an income stream. And there's been a, a huge continental shift towards 401k plans over the last 20, 30 years. Um, I've seen stats as high as in 1990, 1991, uh, around 80 to 90% of people working in the United States had some form of a pension or defined benefit plan. Now, I've seen almost every stat I've seen is numbers less than 10% of people working today have a defined benefit plan. So that shift has completely gone towards taking the onus of your retirement off of your employer and putting it on you. And there's benefits and detriments to both, but it certainly means that you have to focus a lot more of your own attention on retirement planning. Because if you don't, nobody's going to do it for you. And you have to have the discipline to save to prepare for retirement, because if you don't, nobody's going to do it for you. 
And we could debate over why companies have done that, but I mean, I don't think it takes a, a rocket scientist to figure out that companies now do not have to uh, take the risk and responsibility of figuring out how to derive that income for their employees for the rest of their life. So they essentially passed the responsibility onto the employee rather than them taking it all. Now, there are some benefits, though, to a 401k, and that is that you're in control. So you get to control what you invest in. You get to control how and when you take the money. And when you retire, you get to control what that pension stream looks like. Because one of the detriments to a pension is once I turn it on, there's no do-overs. So if I'm going to get $3,000 a month, the benefit is I'll get $3,000 a month until the day I die or maybe until the day my spouse dies as well if I take a joint payout. But let's say five years in, I go, ah, scratch that. I really would like to go back to the beginning and get $150,000 out as a lump. Eh, too late. So once you turn it on, there are no do-overs. So that's the downside to a pension. And depending upon how you want to live your life in retirement, it may be that you'd like to live on less and then supplement as needed, meaning I'm fine with $2,000 or $3,000 a month, but occasionally I'm going to take that big trip or I'm going to uh, you know, if I could just pay off my house, I would need less or whatever the reason might be. Pensions don't really afford for that. They're going to pay you X amount per month, the end on you. The other thing that pensions have a, a limitation on a lot of times, unless you work for the state or the federal government, usually most pensions don't allow for an inflation adjustment. So that can kind of be an issue and that, okay, great. I have this pension that's three or $4,000 a month. But what happens 20 years from now when I don't need three or $4,000 a month? I need $8,000 a month because inflation has eroded my purchasing power. Well, hopefully you figured out your own way to plan for that. I think the better solution in today's environment is figuring out a way to create your own pension and meeting with somebody who's going to keep you accountable and disciplined. So 401ks have advantages and disadvantages. Pensions have advantages and disadvantages. But it certainly looks, Diane, like pensions aren't going to be the the front runner in this debate for any, uh, any anytime soon at least. So the onus is back on you, the employee. It's up to you to be saving the right amount of money. It's up to you to do the planning. It's up to you to figure out how you're going to create your own pension when you retire. And yet the earlier you do that planning, the less expensive it's going to be to you uh, on an ongoing basis. So get to planning as soon as you can. And with pensions, you have to be concerned that they're not going to be funded one day with the current current state of events and, and different cities in the United States voting whether to end pensions and it's too expensive. That's a great point. Yeah. And, you know, pensions have had their problems over the years. We could all probably point to a scenario that we're personally aware of where somebody we know had a great pension and got that pension cut dramatically or even eliminated. So by having your own 401k, you certainly have the ability to control how and when you invest and what companies you invest in. Again, there's a lot of benefits to having your own 401k. The detriment is you better do the planning because there's no fallback plan. It's on you. If you'd like a second opinion on your portfolio, if you'd like Josh to check it over, see how you're doing, you can take the Aptis Blueprint Challenge. Just schedule a 15-minute call with Josh, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The website is aptiswealth.com. Let's talk about people transitioning into retirement. Josh, what is the most important thing that people should be focusing on when they're doing that? Well, Diane, retirement has changed quite significantly over the past 20 or 30 years. We just covered one of the ways it's changed dramatically, and that was that most people could rely 
pretty significantly on a pension and then just supplement their pension and Social Security with savings. Um, the other thing that's changed quite dramatically is now that we are forced to handle this ourselves and forced to do planning, we go to financial planners, to investment advisors, et cetera. And unfortunately, the trouble with that advice model, if you want to call it that, is it's sometimes filled with bias and inexperience. So we don't know exactly how to pick a financial planner. We don't know exactly what their motives are. are do they have fiduciary responsibility? Are they acting in our best interest? And the consumer or the employee in this instance is left kind of holding the bag, trying to you know figure it all out. The other thing with financial planning that, that troubles me a lot is all financial planners, us included, um, use financial planning software. And the problem with that financial planning software is the data inputs can be manipulated to kind of tell a good story, meaning that I can show just about any, anybody that they can retire on just about any amount of money as long as I kind of skew the inputs to make it all work. So you have to know that you're with somebody that's going to go over all those inputs with you, explain them logically, and make sure that we're not being unreasonable. Because quite frankly, if I say you're never going to have any inflation and all your investments are going to earn 30% a year, obviously you're going to look like you're in a pretty good spot. Well, I'm seeing a lot of times, and this happened back in the 80s, Diane, with uh, universal life insurance contracts that you know, in the 80s, interest rates were really, really high. Well, that was an anomaly. Interest rates weren't going to stay at 18% for the rest of our lives, and everybody knew that. But if we illustrated things at 18%, you better believe they looked really good. Well, that was not the right thing to do, and it's not the right thing to do in financial planning in general. So what you got to make sure you do is speak with the person that you're working with and say, what are reasonable assumptions moving forward for my financial plan? Because one of those things changes, and it can really throw your whole plan off the rails. So does my planner have fiduciary responsibility and are they using reasonable expectations for my future? And please explain to me what those expectations are and what those assumptions are and why you're using them. And then on top of that, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and that is we have to have multiple sources of income. We've lost our pension for the most part. We have social security remaining in our 401ks for most people, there might be, you know, rental property or something else in there. But how do we derive our predictable income? With this shift from pensions to 401ks also came the shift from what is my income in retirement to what is my net worth? And I don't know why that occurred. But what we need to do is plan for income, not plan for what's my rate of return and what's my net worth. Because rate of return and net worth are very important pieces of the puzzle, but it's not the whole puzzle. We have to determine how can I create a predictable income that I can't outlive that has very, very reasonable assumptions so that one little hitch in, or one little nick in the armor or one downturn in the market or one COVID doesn't throw us completely off the rails. We have to make sure that we're as bulletproof as we possibly can be. You mentioned the rental income. Is that something that is a great passive income for a lot of retirees? Do you recommend that? Yeah, I think rental properties are great, particularly in their tax structure. Um, and that's the real advantage of rental properties is both leverage and taxation. There's huge tax advantages to owning rental property. There's also the fact that, you know, to buy a $200,000 rental property, you don't have to necessarily come up with $200,000. The bank can help you with that. And the concept of that using other people's money is leverage. The downside to rental property uh, is, and why I think it should be one of the last legs of the stool, not the first leg of the stool, is typically what happens in a downturn. 
So let's think, let's think about 2008, 2009, the housing crisis. Well, a lot of people lost their jobs in 2008, 2009, so they couldn't pay rents. Well, also the people that had a rental property, they might have lost their job as well. So now they're double whammied with, I have a mortgage I have to pay, which renters used to be paying, but the renters can't pay it, and I can't pay it because I don't have a job either. And now there's the possibility of foreclosure. So it's very important that you already go through your emergency funding, you go through some basic retirement funding, you go through protection planning. You've built other legs of the stool already on there so that you have some semblance of a, of a fallback plan in the event that you have to cushion or pad downtimes with that rental property. But in general, great option. And you can also, I want to let listeners know they can take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Just give Josh a call at 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300, and learn how the Aptus Blueprint helps reduce market risk and protect your income. If you take the challenge, Josh will give you a $25 gift card to help support our local community. It's one per household, and it's most effective for households with a portfolio of $250,000 and up. The website is aptuswealth.com. It is spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. More good stuff when we come back. We're going to talk about long-term care. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, what suggestions do you have for people that are concerned or thinking that they're going to need long-term care? Well, first, let's address that most of us will. Uh, There's a very significant chance that we will all at some point need long-term care. You know, I've seen a a varying amount of stats, but at the end of the day, there's a greater than 50% chance. I've seen them as high as 75%, but at least a one in two chance that you're going to spend some time in a long-term care facility. And I think the first hurdle, Diane, is uh, particularly with men, I'll pick on us, uh, we say we're never going into a long-term care facility, right? There's no way. I I hear this stuff all the time. You know, I got a plan. Push me down a flight of stairs if that happens to me. Well, (laughs) the reality is that's not reality. There is a possibility. If that happens to you, we also know kind of the duration. Unfortunately, now pick on women. Women tend to stay in long-term care facilities a little bit longer than men. We, out, we outlast a- you. We outlast you. You do, but yeah. we're closing the gap, Diane. But, but uh, on average, uh, about a couple years stay. So 18 months to two years. On average, women staying a little bit longer than that, men staying a little bit less. And we all know the stories, too. I mean, you, you know, there's the case of went into a long-term care facility for a very short period of time and unfortunately passed away. And then there's the dreaded one that we're all concerned about, and that's the memory care unit, which we, I mean, my grandfather was in a long-term care facility for a decade in the memory unit. So that's the one we're really concerned about because that's the financial strain on whatever 
person is not living in the long-term care facility, you know, the spouse that's still left at home, we have to protect their earning power to some, or their, their income to some capacity. So uh, the step one, I think, is don't assume that your only two options are uh, spend all my money until I go broke and then hope that the government bails me out or buy an atrociously expensive long-term care policy. There are varying steps in the middle. Um, there are things you can do through trust work. There are things you can do through gifting. There's a lot of different things you can do, and you need to first investigate what those are. So part of our process, Diane, we just talked about, you know, what's the Aptus blueprint process. There's four steps, but then in step five and six, which we don't necessarily talk about, we dive deep into let's discuss long-term care planning now. So we've got retirement taken care of. Now what about the contingency plans for long-term care planning? And we go over very common options that seem very viable for most people. Sometimes that involves us an attorney to talk about trust work, but at least investigate all your options so you're making an informed decision. I think the biggest shock to people is we don't realize what the cost is. So can you give us some examples of what people are paying per year? for long-term health care and memory care? Because that is really the rude awakening that people have to start paying attention to this and making it part of their retirement planning. Yeah, the cost can get really staggering. You know, for assisted living, um, you know, we're up on Polaris Parkway, so assisted living right around us is, you know, three to four to $5,000 a month. It really is that big of a range. But when you get into things like true long-term care, meaning I'm in a semi-private room in a nursing home, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon for those numbers to exceed $7,500, $8,000 a month. It's not uncommon for me to have people come in and say, you know, we're spending $90,000, $100,000 a year on long-term care. And if you think about what I just said earlier, and that is in a memory care unit, you're there for a decade at $100,000 a year, we're talking about a million bucks. And that doesn't include the fact that long-term care costs are growing exponentially faster than overall inflation has been growing. So you have this exacerbated problem as it goes on and on. And, you know, I think the other thing that you need to, to take a step back when you're doing the planning for these atro atrocious costs and what are we going to do and how are we going to protect the surviving spouse in particular, or how are we just going to protect our own assets so they don't all go to long-term care and they can end up in the hands of my beneficiaries. We have to determine what our options are, but then again, the viability. And everybody's, I can't stress this enough, everybody's options are different. Let me give an example. If you have all your money in an IRA, moving that money from an IRA to a trust is very easy. You just have to liquidate your entire IRA, pay taxes on all of it, and then move it to a trust. I've yet to meet, I'm joking by the way, I've yet to meet anybody who wants to take a million dollar IRA and pay taxes on it in one year and move all the money to a trust. So if you had non-qualified money, meaning money outside of an IRA, well, it is really that easy. You just move it directly to a trust. So for somebody that has all their money in an IRA, it might be one plan. But for somebody that has all their money not in an IRA, it might be a completely different plan. Is long-term care insurance an option for you? Well, it depends on your health, too. So you might say, I just want to get this out of the way. I'm going to buy a long-term care policy. I know it's going to be expensive. I want to do it. You might not be able to qualify for it. Or it might be a great option because you're young and you're incredibly healthy. So please, as with all financial planning, if you're out there considering, what am I going to do for my scenario? Don't listen to your neighbor and say, this is exactly what I'm going to do. That person's plan might be completely different than the, than the appropriate plan for you. So investigate the, all the options, get an education, then apply that education with the help of my office. Apply that education to how does it apply to your scenario? And then what is the best option for you? 
because there is a lot we can do, Diane, to alleviate the pressure of how much that's going to cost, because you're absolutely right. I think you hit the nail on the head. The cost of long-term care can get, they can run away pretty quickly. And the number to call is 614-364-7300. Josh's office number is 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. And take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. If you'd like a second opinion on how your portfolio is doing, schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get the second opinion, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. This is really the most effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up. Josh, we talk about this a lot, and I think that we need to because it bears worth repeating again and again, annuities, because they've had such a bad reputation in the past. Uh, that is changing, and we'd like to educate people and, and teach them that annuities, in fact, can be a really great part of their retirement plan. Yeah, I think two things there. One, annuities do get a bad rap. And why is that? Because not all annuities are created equal. And I'm going to give you a a very good strategy and something that everyone should pay attention to about annuities, particularly if they have an annuity that they don't like or has not performed well for them or they've been looking to get out of, but they've been trapped in surrender charges. So I'm going to give you a strategy on that in a second. But let's talk about annuities in general. Um, Why are annuities good? There's no other product on the planet that can provide a lifetime income that you can outlive probably or potentially adjusting for inflation along the way, depending on what kind of product you have. So if we look at it, you know, that old adage of a three-legged stool, I have my investments in the stock market in my 401k, I have my social security, what's the third leg of the stool? Well, an annuity contract would provide you the opportunity to get an, another income stream that does not get negatively affected by stock market returns that you cannot outlive. So it's important to take your life and differentiate between what are my required expenses and what are my discretionary expenses. And I want to make sure no matter what, that I can pay my mortgage, pay my car payment, pay my health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. I want to establish a pension stream that I no longer get from my, my company or my office. I want to make sure that I establish that for myself to create a baseline of income that I can't outlive. That's why annuities are so valuable. But getting back to what I said to begin with, they are not all created equal. And one of the reasons that people do not like annuities in general is they have something called surrender charges. Most people are aware of this, and we're talking about deferred annuities, and this is any kind of deferred annuity, Diane. It doesn't matter if it's a fixed annuity or a variable annuity or an index. Let's use a a fixed annuity, for example. We're going to offer you this guaranteed rate of return. No matter what, you will get a guaranteed rate of return. However, if you pull your money out early, the way that the insurance company is able to offer you these guarantees is they know they have your money for a period of time. So if you don't play by the rules, and you say you're going to keep your money there for 10 years, and you pull your money out early, they then have a contractual right, it's listed out in the contract at the very beginning, to penalize you a certain percentage. That's called a surrender charge. It's declared right up front. You know what it is. Let's say that that's 5%. So you know that you're going to pay 5% penalty to get out early. You get to keep all your interest, but you're going to pay a 5% penalty. That's one that most people are aware of. There's another one lurking kind of in the background that makes a lot of sense, but it gives you a great opportunity as of today. I've only seen this happen a couple of times in my entire career, so I'm going to cover this, and I think that if you don't know what I'm talking about and you have an annuity that you do not like, you should absolutely 100% call my office as soon as possible, and here's why. There's another element that's in every single fixed annuity contract on the planet. If you have a fixed or a fixed index, it's not in every single, but I, 90%. 
It's called a market value adjustment. And the purpose of a market value adjustment is when you give the insurance company your money, the way that they are guaranteeing you your money is they are investing your money partially in a bond portfolio. And we've covered many times on the show, Diane, that as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. And as interest rates go down, bond prices go up. So insurance companies wanted to protect themselves, not you. They're looking out for themselves. They want to protect themselves in the event that you pull your money out early. We're in the lowest interest rates in history. We wanted to make sure that if interest rates started going up, the insurance companies could protect themselves. So they can hit you with something called a market value adjustment on top of those surrender charges. Well, what happened? Who would have thought COVID-19 would happen? And who would have thought as a result of it that interest rates would go even down further? And most people that have a contract that might be a 10-year contract or a 10-year annuity that's only a few years old, that market value adjustment has essentially gone in their favor. So I have clients that, I'll give an example. I have a client that has a $100,000 annuity contract. That contract still has a $5,000 penalty. So if they surrendered their contract, traditionally, they'd only get $95,000. This is not a contract that I put them in. They're not happy with the contract. They wanted to get out of it. They came to my office here for a referral. Their market value adjustment is $8,000 positive in their direction. So if they leave their money at the insurance company where it is right now, they get to have $100,000. If they move it, the insurance company is going to give them $103,000 to leave. Now, that might not make sense to leave, but if you're unhappy with where you are to begin with, or if there's a better contract out there that'll suit your needs better, now is the opportunity to take a look. Or maybe you just need more liquidity. You didn't realize that you were trapped as much as you were, and you'd love to have access to the capital. Now's the time to take a peek. Highly recommend anybody that has an annuity contract, anybody at all, whether you think it's okay or you hate it, call my office. Let's at least do the analysis. This is all about education and understanding your options. You may have significant options available to you today that the last time I saw these options available, it was back in 2008. The time before that, it was in 2002, 2003. So this is not something that happens very often. And the unfortunate part, Diane, is if interest rates tick back up, the opportunity could go away. So it's a very finite, potentially finite window to act. Highly recommend everybody calls my office. And the number to call is 614-364-7300, But Josh, how often does that happen? You said it's it's quite rare, but instances change and people probably don't even understand their contract. So is it a good idea to review with you how often? Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate in that, you know, I, I talked to some peers in my industry and I was bringing up this concept to a, a group of advisors not too long ago. And these are people who had been in the business for 20 years. And and I'm not picking on anybody, nor will I name anybody, anybody's names, but none of them even knew what I was talking about. So it's, very, uh, it's a very uncommon thing for people to address. It's a very uncommon thing for people to, to really even pay attention to because, again, as long as you play by the rules, the market value adjustment never becomes an issue. And it's so rarely in the client's favor that it's almost ignored. But when you think about the fact that this, it's a time or it's a feature that can go against you, when it goes for you, you should pay attention to it for sure. And it's just you know, something that, uh, that doesn't pop up very often because insurance companies do a very good job of determining where they think interest rates are going to go and then planning accordingly. Who would have thought when we were at, you know, 4% 30-year mortgage rates that they would go lower than that? Who would have thought that interest rates would go any lower than they had been just six months ago? But that's exactly what happened. 
The number to call is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. When we come back, more information on 6040 investing. Is it still a good idea? We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, explain the 60-40 rule for retirement, and is this something um, that is still relevant yeah, the 60-40 rule simply means that you have 60% of your money in stocks and 40% of your money in bonds. And the concept behind the 60-40 rule was if that allocation remains essentially the same, then there's been a bunch of studies that have determined that if you stay within certain percentage withdrawal rates, you'll never run out of money. The most recent one said if I have a 60-40 allocation and I pull out 4% or less of my money per year, then I can adjust for inflation and never run out of money. So the concept is that as we move closer and closer to retirement, we start shifting from 100% or 90% in stocks down to 60% in stocks. And then you'll see other stats where they say you should start tearing that back even more as you get older. The old adage being that you should have only your age as a percentage in stocks or in bonds. I'm sorry. If you're 80 years old, you should have only 20% of your money in stocks and 80% in bonds. So the theory is bonds being safer than stocks, less volatile, the older we get, the less volatility that we should have, and the more we should move into bonds, which conceptually makes a lot of sense. I think everybody would agree that the older we get, volatility becomes not only more detrimental to our retirement income, but also just we have a shorter runway in life to rebound from, you know, and to recover from big market losses. So that makes a tremendous amount of sense. And I'm a firm advocate of tearing back risk as we get older. I believe that that risk tolerance should be more geared towards income driven versus just a static, you know, age bias. But nevertheless, the concept of reducing risk as we get older remains the same. There's one huge problem. And I think we, we kind of just addressed it when we were talking about annuities. And that is, up until now, interest rates have effectively gone down over the last, well, since the 80s, really. I mean, we had the 80s where interest rates were at all-time highs. And then in general, while there's been some upticks and downticks, but in general, interest rates have gradually decreased from 1990 until today. Well, we just talked about how interest rates and bonds are inversely proportional. So as interest rates go down, bonds go up. So the bond environment has been incredibly favorable over the last 30 years. So the 60-40 portfolio has performed tremendously well. But let's look at other times in history where bonds uh, or where interest rates steadily increased. Let's look at, you know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, for example. What did bonds do from 1950 to 1960? Not great. Um, does it mean that it's the next bubble and that we're going to lose all of our money in bonds? No. But if you look from 1950 to 1960, uh, bonds essentially, if you look at them from an inflation-adjusted perspective, essentially didn't do anything. And I'm generalizing here. But uh, I want to say off the top of my head, bond, uh, the, the 10-year Treasury returned like 1.7% uh, over an entire decade or something like that. I mean, it, very abysmal. So you're talking about essentially just treading water in the bond market. 
Now, did it save you from a decline? Sure, you didn't lose any money, but you didn't gain any money either. So the big problem in the 60-40 portfolio that I see moving forward, and we can't invest purely based upon history. We have to look at history as a guide, but then plan based upon what we think is going to happen in the future. It doesn't look like a very favorable environment for bonds. Bonds might offer safety, but not be the income generator that we're looking for. That's why I think now is a great time to start incorporating things like we were just talking about. Look at annuities. Look at other income generating assets, whether that's you know, rental properties, whatever it might be. I think you need other pieces of the puzzle incorporated or you're putting a lot of faith in an asset category that doesn't look like it's going to be the real breadwinner you're looking for it to be moving forward. Might be a buffer, but it's not going to be an income generator. So the 60-40 really needs to be taken a look at. And the way that we're conquering that in my office is being much more active in our management and also incorporating things like annuities to add a baseline income. And not everyone is the same. It's not all cookie cutter. Of course not. I'm more into income generating portfolios uh, rather than just a, a static bias. And, and what I mean by that is, let's say that I'm 50 years old. Well, by the old adage, I should be 50-50 stocks and bonds. But you don't know enough pieces of the puzzle. What if I'm 90 years old, I should only have 10% in stocks? What if I'm 90 years old and worth $100 million and live on 50 grand a year? It really doesn't matter how much money I have in stocks at that point. It's not going to affect my lifestyle. So a lot of the allocation models that we build are based upon how much income that particular individual needs, what their life expectancy is, a lot of different factors. So you're absolutely right. Everybody's unique. But in general, you should reduce your risk as you get older. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. We invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on your portfolio. You will get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300, 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. And this is really the most effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up because, Josh, anything less than that, it's really not uh, worth it for them. Well, it's, it's really difficult to show the value that we can provide when we have smaller portfolios. And the reason for that is just simply investment minimums. We can't get the level of diversification that really shines when we talk about risk management. And that's our objective is how do we achieve your goals with the least amount of risk? Well, if we can't diversify appropriately, then we can't really reduce the risk to the level that we'd like to see. That's why that number's there. Okay. Is there a perfect retirement age? And, and how can we uh, figure that out? Yeah, that's a difficult one because it's so subjective and different for everybody. I have plenty of people that are clients of mine that are working in their 70s and just couldn't be happier. And I have other people that are working in their 60s and just counting the days down on a timer until they can retire. But I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. One, uh, and the first thing I ask anybody when they say I'm looking to retire is, what are you going to do? And, and maybe sitting at home and watching TV 24 hours a day is, is what you're looking at do, to do. Okay, that, that's fine. But if you don't have at least a plan, you know, we've, we've probably used that word plan way too much on this a radio show, but planning is key. What are you going to do? If you don't have something to do, you will go uh, forever bored, uh, get depressed, and that affects your health, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure you have a plan on what you're going to do. But it also depends on what type of work you do. You know, if you're a, uh, in the landscaping business or you're, you know, swinging a hammer for a living or working for a moving company, well, then working at 70 might be a pretty difficult task for you based upon just your body. 
Um, but if you're working, you know, in the uh, IT type field or something like that, maybe maybe you love what you do. It's not strenuous on your body, and you can work a really long period of time. Um, the other thing is how flexible is your job, and uh, this is something that you know, COVID has, has really opened up flexibility. You'd be surprised, Diane, how many people I've talked to that said, well, I was planning on retiring this year, but that's only because I was tired of going into the office and, you know, insert millions of reasons. And now I'm working from home at my own pace. It's more relaxed. Uh, I, I foresee myself working for the next few years, at least as long as this is the environment that we're operating under. So is it possible for you to set up that kind of arrangement? Um, is it possible for you to work part-time? Um, a lot of people are very valuable to companies. You go in and talk to your boss and say, I'd really like to, uh, to cut back my hours. Would you still like the assets that I bring to the table on a part-time basis? That's been becoming very uh, much more common. So retirement's different for everybody, and I think it's, it's different based upon what opportunities that you have available to you. But also, you know, it obviously comes down to, to, to health and wealth, too. Um, how healthy are you? Can you continue to work? And do you have the assets to retire? If you don't have the assets, you may need to continue working. Um, but that's all part of the planning process. You know, can we come up with a way where you could maybe go part-time for a number of years, help preserve your health by taking some of the stress off the table and allowing your, your resources to fund the remainder? And what does that do for your portfolio or your, life, your retirement income stream? So it's different for everybody. It all involves planning. It's something that we should take a look at. So at least, again, I, I hammer this every time. Education, education, education. Investigate the opportunities that are available to you. What are your choices? And then make a decision, an informed decision, an educated decision based upon your scenario, not based upon someone that you know who did something that might be completely arbitrary to your scenario. How often do you find, though, that your clients, especially men, because men get a lot of sense of their purpose by being productive, so how often do you find that they retire and they just can't stand it, can't handle it, and have to go back into the workforce? I mean, how do you prepare for something like that? Because people don't realize how they're going to be after retirement. Yeah, I think the I've had some people uh, retire multiple times. Again, it depends on what career path you're in and the education base that you bring back to whatever employer you'd be going to. I have one guy that I think he's retired six or seven times. You know, so it's not uncommon, but at the same time, I think it comes down to planning and some real uh, discussion on what are you going to do. Um, the one that I hear most often is, you know, I'm going to play golf. Well, you know, maybe you can play golf every single day, uh, but most people, it sounds like a great idea until about month three, and then they go, man, I've, I've turned golf into my job. You know, now... <laughs> Now I'm golfing every single day and I'm, I'm trying to improve my situation and now I've taken the fun out of golf. So I think you have to have more than just one hobby and you have to have more than, you have to find some way to derive your purpose. And I think you said something about men deriving their purpose from work. I think that applies to everybody, not just men, but I think you need to find whatever that purpose is. And maybe that's charitable work, maybe it's, uh, you know, who knows, woodworking, uh, playing golf. I don't know what that is. But if you don't have a purpose, you will get really bored. I promise. I've Do, seen it happen hundreds of times. Would it be helpful for people to take a three- or four-week vacation to kind of get a taste of what retirement is going to actually look like? You know, that's funny. I, I was about to say that. I think that if you can test run it, that's fantastic. And I think that all of us got somewhat of a test run there for a short period of time, although a, a chaotic, um, you know, maybe not planned maybe not relaxing test run, but, you know, COVID kind of forced us all into, 
being at home a lot more than we were anticipating. And that take that took away a lot of our hobbies. But I think, you know, that was one test run. But I think everybody should try and test run it. Take a sabbatical, take, you know, whatever your, you know your situation better than I do, whatever your employer will allow, try it. Try it. See if it's what you really want. I think a lot of times we get this, uh, you know, visual in our head about the, you know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and everything's going to be great. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Maybe, maybe you liked work a lot more than you thought you did. Maybe what you were really looking forward to is not retirement, but by financial independence, meaning that you're going to work because you can, not because you have to. And when I've put people in that position, which I do, one of the great parts of my job is I put people in a position of financial independence all the time, where they know that at any point they can retire. They're going to work because they choose to. You'd be surprised how the little catty, annoying things at work kind of drift into the background when you know that at any point you could just say, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. So I like to call retirement planning financial independence planning. Let's get ourselves in a position of financial independence as quick as possible. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, or if you'd like to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge, where Josh will give you a second opinion on your portfolio, and you'll get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number to call is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. I'm Diane Brennan, and this is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. When we come back, changes to Social Security. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. Or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. That's 614 364 7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, should we be concerned about changes to Social Security? I mean, I guess. We have to be concerned about that. Yeah, this is a big one. And full disclosure, I do about a 45-minute educational workshop purely on Social Security. So under the confines of our conversation today, I'm certainly not going to be able to cover all of the provisions of Social Security. But I think that there are a few that I could foresee, and this is definitely my opinion, um, coming down the pipe that are very concerning. First, this is fact. Will Social Security run out of money? If we don't do anything different by 2032, Social Security will be out of money, period. So I hear people talk conceptually about, well, you know, it's going to run out of money, and they almost say it kind of like tongue-in-cheek, like it's a shot from the hip. It's not. Social Security, as it is funded today, will in fact run out of money at a definitive point. We know exactly when it is. What would that mean? Well, that would mean that approximately 70% of your Social Security benefits would still be paid because Social Security is funded in one way. People are paying in, and then people are collecting off of those payments. So 70% of what people collect is based on people contributing. So people are working, they're paying into Social Security, 
that pays 70% of the people collecting's benefit. But the other 30% is paid out based upon a big fund or a, an endowment that is all sitting there being invested and then it gets paid out. That fund will run out of money in 2032. So some changes need to be made. So knowing that, and it doesn't look like anybody's really eager in, in Washington to make a change, what are some potential changes that I think could be made? Because at some point we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to do something. Well, one, the people paying in are paying in based upon their income, but it's limited to a cap. And that cap's approximately $130,000. So if you're one of the fortunate few in the United States that makes more than $130,000 a year, and I'm rounding, then you only pay Social Security taxes, which is approximately 6% of your income. You only pay that up to the 130. So if you're making $200,000, 70% of your income is not taxed at that 6.2% actually, but approximately 6% rate. There is always a fight in Washington of should we lift that level or eliminate the level altogether? So if you make a million dollars a year, you pay all the way up. Um, I, that's been an ongoing battle. That threshold has been going up each and every year. But the big question moving forward, knowing that we're kind of we're, we're running towards the cliff, what do we do? How do we move that, that edge of the cliff out? Uh, that's one thing that I think will change, and, and I don't know where that's going to land, but that will affect workers. But that will not affect the people that are collecting. The other one is the taxation of, of Social Security. Um, I'm really shocked in 2015 when they made kind of a sweeping change to Social Security that this wasn't changed then. I'm not saying I agree that it should be changed, but I was really shocked that it wasn't. And that is only 85% of your Social Security can, in fact, be taxed. So if you didn't know that Social Security can be taxed, it can be. It's based upon the level of income that you have. So it's based upon your Social Security plus your outside income. And once you reach certain thresholds, you can be taxed on your Social Security. But 15%, doesn't matter if you make $20 million a year, 15% of your Social Security will never be taxed. I have a feeling that's going to get changed moving forward. Does that move the needle a lot? Quite frankly, no. But I think it'll be an easy political, uh, political move to say, look, we're changing things and it's affecting you know, the rich and not the poor. So it's good for everybody. But the other thing that I think is inevitably going to change, and I joke about this all the time, you know, I'm 42 years old and, you know, the full retirement age for most people in this country as of today is between 66 and 67. And I joke that my full retirement age will probably be somewhere around, you know, the time I'm dead. But I think that that, that age will have to climb. You know, when social security was originally created, the full retirement age was 65, not 66, but the average life expectancy of people during that time was only 63. So it was pretty well funded. Uh, most people died before they even collected it. Well, now the average age being 66 to 67 and life expectancies being somewhere in the low to mid 80s, uh, much different collection pattern. So I envision that there will be at some point, they will create a break point of if you're underneath this age, your new full retirement age will be X and it'll be graduated all the way up. I would anticipate that mine will be somewhere in the 70s. I don't know where that'll land, but I think that's a, a fix that's a lot better than some of the other ones that I've seen. So th those are three, but I think there's a lot of changes coming down the pipe. I think if you're already collecting Social Security, more than likely you're safe and you'll be grandfathered in with the old program, much like they did with the railroad benefits. But if you're you know, in that 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old range, you might want to start considering your planning a little bit differently than the way the system is, is, uh, is, set, is set out to, to collect today. And not even count on it, possibly. Well, I think it would be political suicide to say that it's going to go away. Uh, the question is, what will it look like 
and will you collect? And the one big one that I think uh, I've heard lurking in the background, which could really affect people, is something called means testing. Have you heard the concept of means testing, Diane? No. Okay. So means testing is if you have X amount of assets or income. So you worked, you saved up, you have $2 million in an account. Social Security was originally established to provide a baseline income for people who could not afford to live on their own. It was actually called the Older Workers Act when it was created back in the 30s under Roosevelt. The means testing concept would say, you have $2 million. There's no reason that you need Social Security. You already have these assets over here, so you don't get it. That's the one that scares people the most because that does not mean that they did not pay in the same or more than people who are collecting and they receive zero benefit. So it'll be interesting to see is there a graduated benefit system based upon means testing and also a graduated system on age that's coming down the pipe. I think we'll see a blend of both of those things. But again, Diane, this is just a hypothesis. I think the takeaway from, uh, from all of what I'm saying is based upon your age and your means, we may want to look at Social Security significantly different than it exists today when we're doing planning or at least create a primary plan and then a contingent and tertiary plan should these levers be pulled that would adversely affect you. I do not like that means testing. I think my parents subscribed to that. Growing up, my parents were like, you're okay, Diane. It's your brothers that need help. So I don't like that at all. That's that's bringing up some childhood <laughs> memories there. All right. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. We invite you to take the Aptus Blueprint Challenge. Schedule a 15-minute call with Josh to get a second opinion on your portfolio. You will get a $25 gift card to support our local community. The number is 614-364-7300. 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. And this is really the most effective with portfolios of $250,000 and up where Josh can show you uh, where you're saving. What advice do you give to people that are about five years out from retirement? What's the most important things that they need to know? My first piece of advice is, is going to come as a complete and utter shock to you, Diane, and that's plan. Uh, it's just, I'm going to beat that <laughs> word into the ground, but plan, you need to plan. And, and now you're on the proverbial five-yard line, right? I mean, you're five years out from retirement. You've been doing this whole working thing for you know, 40 plus years probably. Um, and now you're, you're rounding the turn and you're going to have to figure out a way to make all of your savings last for the remainder of your life and the decisions that you make over the next, I, I don't want to make this sound, you know, too overwhelming, but it really is this serious. The decisions that you make over the next five years of your life are going to determine large in part what you do over the next remainder of your life. You know, I saw something of all places on a, uh, you remember the old Sky Mall catalog? I don't think they have them anymore, but I was flying somewhere and I was on this, looking at the Sky Mall catalog and there was an ad and I, I ripped it out and, to show my kids. And of course, they weren't as nearly as impressed with this as I was, but it said, how you live the first 40 years of your life determines how you get to live the next 40 years of your life. And I wanted to, you know, be a profound father and show them this wisdom. And they looked at me like, what are you doing ripping magazines apart in an airline? So they weren't impressed. But I think the same concept holds true. What you do during your working years, and particularly what you do at the latter years in planning, will determine what you're able to do in retirement. So it's very important as we're five years out that we start getting very serious about planning if we haven't already. That's a great time to start thinking about where are my risk levels? Should I be, t should I be tearing back risk? 
have I been way too risky up to this point? And thank God it didn't backfire on me. I've really benefited from it. But now is not the time to see a 30% drop in my account value that I'm going to hopefully live off of for the rest of my life. And it's a great time to start looking at things like taxes. The best time to do tax planning is five years before retirement and between retirement and the time you turn age 72, which is when required minimum distributions are, are due to you. You have to start paying them. So that window is the most advantageous time to start looking at tax planning. So it's very important that not only do we plan, but we put a, a, a huge amount of focus on where are we going to drive our income, how do we manage risk, and how do we hopefully mitigate the impact of taxes on our retirement. And the best window is five years out. So you are on the one-yard line. I, I said five, but let's call it the one-yard line. It is now time to start doing things. And what I like about your office is the fact that you have you plan with tax people in conjunction with your client's retirement. Yeah, I mean, it's critical, uh, particularly we're in a, we've been talking about COVID uh, on the last uh, couple of episodes here. And, and what has the impact been? There's, there's no mystery to anybody. There's been, you know, trillions of dollars in debt added to our deficit. We're in one of the lowest tax rate environments in the history of, well, in my lifetime, quite frankly. Uh, capital gains rates are favorable. Income tax rates are favorable. So it's very important, and why we have these relationships that you're alluding to with, uh, you know, CPAs around town, um, attorneys around town, is it's very important that we try and take advantage of situations that are afforded to us when they're when they're available to us. And now is one of the best times in my entire lifetime to do tax planning. And if you don't know everything, the best course of action is go find pros who do know everything in that particular field. So we work very closely with CPAs around town to take advantage of the tax environment that we're in. You know, if, if the market's volatile and rates are low, what are some good things that we can be doing to improve our situation? Taxes. When rates are really high, but taxes are bad, maybe we're focusing on, you know, generating the best rate of return. We're always trying to find pockets where we can make a significant difference. Because we can't, you know, that, that old adage, right? Give me the, grant me the serenity to, to uh, change the things I can and, you know, ignore the things I can't. That's what we're trying to do. And now is a great, great time to be looking at taxes. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy and to schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. The website is aptuswealth.com. It's spelled A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.